Hey friends, before we get to today's episode, I want to talk to you about unicorns. You know I think we're all unicorns because we have special gifts and talents, and because we're all so special, it's important that we invest in things that will help us get to the next level. In fact, 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale. And with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save big off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, visit HubSpot.com slash startups. somebody like hey how do you ride a bike i wouldn't be able to tell you how i do the things that i do and i think some people are able to like i think some people are able to say i write and this is like how i come up with structure and story and all these things or like as a therapist i think of this and that whereas i think for me i'm good at riding a bike but i wouldn't be able to write down how i do it in that same way if you're thinking about it every time there's going to be a part of you that's going to wonder like Am I going to be able to still ride that bike as well when I get back on it? Because I couldn't tell you how I'm riding it. Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies Babatunde, your host and resident storyteller, and welcome to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. No Straight Path is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are digging into the human stories behind success, and my hope, as always, is that you leave the conversation inspired, motivated, and excited about your journey. All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed part one of my conversation with author and psychiatrist Justin Key. I just love learning about his upbringing, interest, and how he pursued a career in both medicine and writing. In part two of our conversation, we learn more about Justin's approach to writing, purpose in life, and what it's like to live out your dreams. We learned all about his book deal and I actually got my copy and there's a link in the show notes. There's something in there for everyone. There's even a love story. So y'all know I'm excited. (laughs) And I'm also excited for you all to hear more about Justin's journey. So let's get back to our conversation where Justin shares his thoughts on his responsibility to himself and others as he navigates his career. And now I feel like I'm in a position where it's almost like I have a responsibility to myself and the world if I'm able to be in this space to put my best foot forward in the things that I write. It actually, that intersects with the different parts of my identity, like being a mental health provider. It's a responsibility to be thoughtful about what I put on the page. It's like a Black man in America as a parent, all these different things. It's like, okay, how do I represent this well? on the page. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So basically you're telling me you're just superhuman. You're just disciplined. You're brilliant. (laughs) You're all these different things. No, I'm just kidding. But it's amazing. (laughs) Just this amount of discipline and we're going to get to your, your flaws or the things that you struggle with, but you talk a lot about responsibility, which I think is admirable. And I'm curious about the work you're doing now. You know, you have this incredible book out. The world wasn't ready for you. I'm assuming you feel some responsibility with the work you put out in this world. What do you aim to achieve with your writing? So there's a few different aims. I think it always starts out with, let's have fun and do something that I've always 
maybe not always, maybe just recently wanted to do, right? I'll say, for example, one of the stories in the book is Spider King. And I think this is a good example because really quickly, it's basically about a man, a family man who is wrongly imprisoned, but odds are set against him. And he takes this plea deal, which involves him being part of this medical experiment to get out earlier, which then makes it so that spiders emerge from his skin, right? And I think in the beginning, there's just nuggets of an idea of, I was fairly afraid of spiders, maybe not arachnophobia, and had recently read Great Body Horror. And I was like, oh, I would love to write like a body horror and also explore this fear that I have with spiders. So it's like, okay, that might be like a cool idea. See what I can do with it. Then I start writing and as I'm writing the characters and the situations that I'm putting them in, it's like, okay, so I'm dealing with somebody who is going through the justice system. And I think maybe that's related to just thinking of my own cousin and what he went through. So it's like, okay, now I'm dealing with a character who has this experience. I can't just be flipping about it, right? So I have to make sure that I'm representing this well, thinking about as we go through the story, what issues is he going to have? Let's say what issues do people usually have going through the justice system and coming back into society, like the difficulties with getting work, the things that lead to them going back, going back into jail, the anxiety that they have from being incarcerated, the anxiety they have of returning to society. So all these different aspects. And then noticing how naturally from writing it, this is being connected to the body horror that I'm that I'm trying to create. So how are the spiders emerging from his skin, a metaphor for the anxiety. And then he's a family man. So then how do I want that to kind of look on the page? What tender moments do I want to have there? How do I represent the relationship, et cetera? So then the goal, I think, once I have a good structure to a story, because there's all these things with like narrative and pacing and stuff that I have to think about and dialogue, it's once those kind of bones are in place, I think the goal is, okay, what do I want people to feel with this? What do I want their takeaways to be? I love hearing when people say like, this made me feel heard. I think somebody responded with that story and said, I really resonated with my experience with anxiety. I felt heard reading this just with my anxiety around like work. Or if somebody is able to think a little bit deeper about, I think, this section of society that I think we put out of sight, out of mind, unless you been to jail or you have somebody in your family who's been to jail, the prisons and jail system, they're like set away. You don't pass them every day, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's part of like society mentally wanting to put this as like others, right? These people did these heinous things that I can't ever imagine myself doing. It's easier to say that there's just something wrong with them. Let's put them away. So yeah. So once I see that, like I have that on the page and I have the potential for that, then it's like, okay, let me be responsible with it. But it always really does start with just, I think that wanting to have fun or having like a cool idea, or this would be cool to explore. Those are the nuggets. And then I think out of that, it's okay. What about my experience? What about life experience that I know from whether it's my profession, whether it's being like a father or a husband or a black man, a black dad, what of that has already made it onto the page just subconsciously? And how do I bring that out 
to make the story more powerful. Yeah. So those are kind of like the goals. Yeah. No, those are great goals. And it sounds like you're showing the humanity of often marginalized communities, which I think is important in this science fiction horror context, which is a little different. And I'm always curious. I think I was asking all these questions early on just about the way you thought as a child, just because I'm always curious about the people who are behind horror who are behind sci-fi. I'm like, what happened to them (laughs) for their imagination to kind of go in this specific direction? Was there a particular, you talked about Stephen King, was it really just what you were reading? Was it what you were experiencing in life? What made you go in this direction? Because you're also this family man. When people look on the outside looking in, you're this doctor, you're married with three kids. That also shows something that's a bit more conventional, right? And so I am just curious about even just the genre and the things that you like to explore. I do think that there was some imprinting in some way with Goosebumps being my entrance to reading. And I imagine they were more scary at the time, like to like a second grader, exploring these really like, for lack of a better term, like bizarre things that are happening, whether it's Night of the Living Dummy, it's like this ventriloquist dummy is like coming alive or monster's blood, this substance that keeps expanding and taking over or say cheese and die, like this camera that if you take a picture of somebody, it shows something bad happening to them. And then that thing happens. Those are always, I think was really fun, but also it was fun and being scared. And I think my mind went towards creatively, how can I do that? How can I make something that's fun, but also kind of scary. And I think that there's a a thrill that definitely comes from horror, similar to why people love roller coasters. And there's also kind of a safety to it, right? Maybe some people would like they're skydiving, but who would go on a roller coaster if it's like, hey, you got about 2% chance of dying on this. You expect that you're going to be safe, even if you feel like horrible during it, like you're pretty sure you're going to come out okay on the other side. And I think that writing and horror gives a chance for that. And I also think that there's so much interesting things that happen with people's reactions in the story, exploring emotions, exploring motivations when putting people into, I think, horrific situations. And I think that that really like leads to great character work. I think it really leads to great interactions on the page. And I think I saw that a lot of Stephen King. I mean, he's often said that he doesn't really consider himself as a horror writer. I would agree with him. He's really great with, I think, character work and really taking people in ordinary situations and then throwing in like some big wrench. So I would say that there was probably a part of my imagination as an anxious kid that maybe went to imagining what horrific things could happen. I don't think it was like horrific things in terms of I'm afraid of somebody's going to break in and hurt me and my mom or things like that. But I think that it was in a way of what if this changed about the world or what if this happened? Yeah. So I imagine that that was there from an early age. And there's probably also a lot of just conquering any fears that I might've had as a kid and being able to kind of write with it is taking hold of it and taking the things that scare you and using it as a tool. I think that's what I was doing, like the Spider King story, like exploring that. Now I'm the type of person, and I actually do this, we're at a restaurant and next table is freaking out over a spider. I go over there, I put it under a cup, take it across the street. 
because I'm like, I like the critters yeah. now after learning so much about them. Wow. I love that. Taking it as a tool. Yeah. I certainly can see that reflected in my life and in my husband's life. He's really into horror and I never understood. He has a similar story of kind of conquering yeah. a fear. And I love how there's just this new genre too of just black horror filmmakers and artists and writers and how you are a part of that group of people now, which is super exciting. And it's also just an exciting time in your career. You talked a lot about working over the years, the journey, the rejections, but you have two new books coming out. Can you tell us about how that happened? You're working with HarperCollins, like this is a big deal. Tell us about that journey. Yeah, it's really, I think, where hard work has met, like luck. Let's see. It was November of 2020, and I'd gotten like a few, I was starting to get more short stories published in, in great venues over time. So I was feeling pretty good about like my ability to write short stories and felt like I was really coming into my own in terms of as a writer. And I had been put in touch with somebody in Hollywood. I'll say, so my therapist at the time, I was at UCLA, and as part of it, training, we get our own therapy. And my therapist knew that I was deep into writing. And he said, I usually don't do this, but there's somebody at the think you I could put you in touch with. And he couldn't tell either one of us that like the other person was also a patient. But he was like, I think you should just talk to this person, just meet this person. And it ended up being a Hollywood talent manager. So this was like November 2020. And I talked with them and told him my story. Again, he was like, usually don't do this, but you sound like a really nice guy. I'm excited about your story. Send me a few of your short stories and then we'll go from there. So I sent it to him and then we talked in January and he was like, I really love your writing. I think it's great imagery here. I really love like what you're doing. I think that we could potentially do a lot together. And he says, what I want to do is I want to try to get you like a literary agent in New York and then go from there. So still I was like, okay, I don't know what I would do with a literary agent right now. It's like, I have novels that I've written, but I haven't looked at them for years. What would I do with a literary agent right now? So met with a literary agent. And then the idea of, I really think that the body of work you have here is great. And I could see it being like a short story collection. So, you know, imposter syndrome and all those things come in. And I was like, I didn't even know that that was something to strive for, a possibility. I've been getting these short stories published. And I imagined that one day I was going to return to try and kind of to focus on novels. But I was like, you know, I think that we should try for this. So we went in in agreement together to look at the body of work that I had and see what collection we may make out of it. And basically the stories that we chose shows the range. There's science fiction there. There's fantasy. There's definitely horror. Like three out of eight of the stories are horror. There's one that's more comedic. There's like an alternate history piece. And then there's a love story actually that takes place in a little near future based on the pandemic. And we came up with, pick these eight stories, put them together. But then at the same time, my agent said, anything else that you're working on? And so I sent him the novel that I had been working on for years and had taken like a little bit of a break from, and he was really excited about it. 
So we have been developing that as well, just like the backstory for that. He's great at just bouncing ideas off of. And so when it was time to go out for the short story collection, I had a couple meetings with a couple publishers and I met with HarperCollins editor there, Sarah Reed, and she was really excited about the short story collection. She was like, I really love what you're doing here. And my agent had told me the day before, she also said, is he working on anything else? So let's just plan to talk about the novel briefly, just to let her know that they're also working on it, et cetera. So I did. I met with her. And at the end of it, she was like, you know, is there anything else you're working on? So I talked about what the novel was and she wanted that too. Came back the next day and was like, we want to buy the short story collection. We also want to buy this novel. So this was, I think like April 4th of last year, 2022. And the short story collection, we went through the edits for that. And a lot of them had already been published. So it wasn't too extensive. A lot of them were already like polished. So it was kind of like really making them sing together. And then I got my deadline for the novel would be October 2nd of 2023. So at the time that felt like a lot of time because it's 18 months. And I would jokingly tell people, I was like, I could have nothing written and I feel confident I get the novel. Actually, I gave myself a lot of time. I got through editing the collection most of last year. And then I think September last year is when I sat down. I was like, okay, celebration's over. What's your plan for the next year to finish the novel? And I've been working like diligently on it the last year, making sure I gave time for me to some of the writer friends that I trust the most, like making sure that sending it out to them, getting their feedback, going through those revision process. I turned it in October 3rd one day late. So I'm excited about that. I'm waiting for edits from that right now. And it's all been a lot in the last couple of months because the short story collection came out September 19th. So while I'm celebrating that in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, I'm still need to finish the job on this novel. And then around like mid July of last year, I was tapped to be in Jordan Peele's Out There Screaming, this anthology of black horror. And it's like, I do not have time at all, but of course, you know? So yeah, even some of my brighter friends who, Justin, you need to start saying no, not to this, but you need to start saying no to things. And it was just an awesome opportunity. All of the stories in it are originals written just for the anthology. And I wrote a whole new story for it. And it was not a guarantee that it would be accepted. So I was a little bit nervous about that. But then when I got the news like early this year, that it would be in the anthology. Very excited about that. Excited to see it out in the world. So my short story collection came out September 19th. Then two weeks later, because launch day is always on a Tuesday, Out There Screaming came out October 3rd. So it's been just a whole lot of excitement. And then, yeah, the same day that Out There Screaming came out is when I turned in the novel to my editor. And I think he said that he's going to give me feedback on it like early November. So a lot of things right now, a lot of excitement, a lot of, I think, potential for the future, a lot of unknown. But it's really cool to be in this space. It's really cool to have people reading my work, responding to it and having interpretations of it. That's a really cool place to be in. Oh, I love the place you're in. Yeah. You know, and I think when I said two books, I meant the anthology with Jordan Peele. So now you have this other novel that I didn't realize. So that is also exciting. And yeah, what an amazing, cool story and what a journey. I so friends, we're going to take a quick break so I can tell you about another amazing podcast. And that's Latinx Empower hosted by Thaisa Fernandez, which is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. 
Latinx Empower is a podcast that features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insights from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their careers. I think you'll love a recent episode on toxic positivity in the workplace. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know if you have any advice for someone who might want to achieve the dreams that you are achieving now. You know, maybe they have a specific practice that they're working on in their day job, but they also have this creative dream to be a writer, to be a filmmaker, to be in podcasting, X, Y, Z. Do you have advice for those people? Well, one is giving yourself, I think, grace with time. If there's some advice out there, like you got to write every day, you got to write this amount. But do what it is that you can. And knowing that if you're in a busy season with your job or family responsibilities, or what have you, if you're having written for a week or what have you, it doesn't mean that you're just completely not a writer or that you don't have the work ethic. It's just recognizing it's like, OK, I'm not able to now, but I can think about when I plan to or I can think about when I may be able to. One thing that I've done I think throughout my career is try to see where I could maximize like in between time. So for example, getting and reading through like audiobooks. So it could be while I'm doing something else, whether it's driving or doing dishes or working out or taking notes with my phone or even dictating notes to myself so that I can feel like I am making progress towards a story, even if I don't actually have the time or the environment to you know, sit down at my computer and pull it out and get into the manuscript. And then I think that the biggest thing is just to continue going. It really is a marathon. And you simultaneously have to feel like what you're writing in that moment could be great, could be it. But also the best thing that you write may be the next thing. Because I think that if you were to go 16 years ago and say, Justin, at that time, like you're going to make it, but it's going to take 16 years. That actually may be very deflating by the time. But though I'm very grateful for where I am now and see it as successful. So is there a way to have that excitement that's there, have that belief in your own work, but also Seeing it as like, I'm going for it, I'm perfecting my craft now, even if this doesn't become published or if it isn't made into that movie or if it's not up in that art show, this is contributing to the future work that I do. So I remember 10 years ago feeling like there are stories where I was like, man, this feels like the greatest thing I've written. And I still like have those stories hold them in my heart. But in terms of where I've gotten me here, it's been the things that I've written since then. And I also have to believe now collection is, I feel good about it. The novel, I feel good about that as well. But what is it that I'm going to do in the future? All this work that I've put in, what potential great things may I write in the future? And I would still need to have that mindset, even if I didn't have the deal now and was still kind of working towards it and putting, trying to perfect my craft and still trying to get my stories out there. I think that mindset, you have to kind of try to find it in some way. Yeah, I know. I think that's great advice. That's the mindset is so important. It sounds like just learning and figuring out how to 
enjoy the journey and how to assign meaning to every part of your journey because you're in this incredible space now where you're achieving your dreams, but it was all that work before and you were learning and you were testing and you are iterating and working on your craft. And I feel like that's what makes it all worth it. Sometimes those milestones can feel pretty empty if you're not working towards purpose and meaning. And I guess I'm curious about how you define your purpose in life or in your career. Something I'm working on with my therapist, but I think that I have this ability to be good at what it is that I do. Because I'm also, as a psychiatrist, half of what I do is therapy. So I I have a lot of patients who I'm the therapist that I see weekly or every other week. And I do well at it. And for nothing that I feel like is because of what I've studied or what have you, I'm good with it. And I think being able to harness that resource and to help people through tough times in their life, to help them reach a better understanding of themselves, to get a fulfillment out of life. That's my goal, I think, with being a psychiatrist and being a therapist. With writing, I almost think of it in parallel to that, like I can do that on -on one-on-one, but with writing, I can put down something on a page and it can resonate with someone and not necessarily like have like a therapeutic effect or what have you, or heal or what have you, but it can bring maybe some joy or understanding to somebody's life, but then it can scale up. There'd be people that I might affect with that or touch with that without ever knowing to me. And I think that that's a very potentially powerful thing. So my purpose, it feels like from those two aspects is to simultaneously be at peace and comfortable with what limited impact I may have. If I see 20 people who are I'm therapists for, you know, maybe there's like another few million that could benefit from having a Dr. Key there. But I can't think of that in terms of something that I'm lacking at, because then I would always take on more and more. And then where do I stop? When is it ever enough? So being able to be mindful about the work that I do, to want it to do good in the world, and then let it do that good. And then personally, being a parent, I think that part of that is just helping kids become whatever well-rounded means or what have you. But mainly, like I feel loved individuals and secure individuals in a world that isn't going to love them as much as I do, just because that's how the world is. So being able to give them a good, secure base or life that they can kind of, in a home that they can turn back to. So those are like my professional purpose and then my personal purpose. And then to myself, I do feel like there's a want to know at the end of the day that what's the phrase? Like, I didn't leave anything on the table, that I put my best foot for it. Left it all on the court. But also giving grace to, (laughs) yeah, there we go. (laughs) That's the one. (laughs) Left it all on the court, whatever that means with my life. But also being at peace with not wanting to end up in a place where all I'm thinking about is like, oh, I could do more, what haven't I done, et cetera. But just making the most out of the talents or the privileges or the places that I've been given. Yeah, I love that. 
And I said this earlier because you're just so inspiring. And I was like, I got to get one flaw. And maybe it's the anxious kid part, but can you just tell us about one thing that you're working on personally or that you've had to work on? I'm trying to work through the self-doubt, whether it's imposter syndrome. I think a lot of times there can be doubt of what if I don't know what I'm doing in all aspects of my life. Growing up, I didn't have a father. So it's like, what if I'm doing this all wrong as a father in the writing aspect? What if I'm like, don't really know how to write? And that shows in the next book that I fail a patient and they could have been better off if they had seen somebody else. So I think that in the same way that it'll be, you ask somebody like, hey, how do you ride a bike? I wouldn't be able to tell you how I do the things that I do. And I think some people are able to, like, I think some people are able to say, I write, and this is like how I come up with structure and story and all these things. Or like, as a therapist, I think of this and that. Whereas I think for me, I'm good at riding a bike, but I wouldn't be able to write down how I do it. In that same way, if you're thinking about it every time, there's going to be a part of you that's going to wonder like, am I going to be able to still ride that bike as well when I get back on it? Because I couldn't tell you how I'm riding it. So that's something that I feel like I'm dealing with. No, that's helpful. That's going to resonate with a lot of people because it sounds like a lot of the things you do, which is great is you put in the work, but there's also this natural gift and talent. And so you don't how to explain X, Y, Z. So there's that duality there. So I appreciate you sharing that. Your journey has been incredible, Justin, and I just love everything you're doing. And I just want to thank you for sharing everything that you've shared thus far. If you have any final thoughts to share with the listeners, I'd love to hear them. I think that everybody has something, it sounds kind of cliche, but I think something to contribute to the world in some way, all different types of careers and aspects are important. I've heard people at times like be just maybe self-limiting of like, oh, what I do isn't as important as you or what have you from talking about the doctor side. But I also think that entertainment can save people's lives or there are people who may have terminal cancer and continue to live. And what brings them joy is like reading a book or being able to enjoy like their favorite singer or being able to go to a movie or what have you. So I think that whatever it is that your passion is or whatever it is that you're putting out into the world, I understand it, but I really don't like it when people are feeling like it's not an important part of society or it's not as worthy or important as somebody else's work. And I'd hate it from the other side too. Definitely experienced doctors who feel that about themselves, right? Like what I do is more important. So I kind of hate it from both sides, but I can empathize with the people who are more self-critical. It's also easier to work with as a therapist than the other way around. I love it. And I completely agree. Thank you again, Justin, for coming on the podcast. And I'm excited to dig into your book and all of your work. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share the podcast with friends and family. And my hope is that these stories help you navigate your No Straight Path journey. If this content is adding value to your life, and I hope it is, please take a few minutes out of your day to rate the show and write a review. You can click the link in the show notes to write a review. It helps other listeners find the show, and I just really appreciate it. Have a lovely week, embrace the journey, and remember, you're not alone.